This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. From Gimlet, this is The Pitch. I'm Josh Muccio. We are back. Back to venture capitalists, back to cutting deals, back in the room. If you've listened to the show before, you know that inside The Pitch Room, big things can happen. Dreams get made, hearts get broken, and sometimes huge checks get written. This time around, all those things happened, and I can't wait to share it all with you. But first, you should hear more about the people putting their money on the line, our investors. Why? Because while there's a lot of focus on the entrepreneurs, and for good reason, they're the ones in the room pitching their startups, our investors are the ones sizing them up. They have to rely on their expertise, their experience, and sometimes just their gut. Cut a check or cut them loose. So who are these people? Hi, I'm Jillian Manis. I'm the managing partner of Structure Capital. You'll recognize Jillian from past episodes, along with another familiar voice on the show. Hi, I'm Phil Nadell. I'm the managing director of Forefront Venture Partners. Yep, Phil is also back. And I want to introduce you to our newest investor. Hi, I'm Daniel Galati. Daniel is a partner at Comcast Ventures, and I'm delighted to have him on the show. And actually, we're really excited to have all of our investors on. Each of them brings such a unique perspective into the room, and I am constantly amazed by how quickly they can get to the heart of a founder's pitch. So I sat down with all three of them to find out how they are able to do what they do so well and what brought them to this career as venture capitalists. Why don't we start with Jillian? Of all of our investors, she is the one we get the most emails about. It seems like everyone loves Jillian. And I think a lot of that comes down to the way she invests. She seems to almost look past the companies and focus on the people. If you've been listening to the show, you notice that Jillian puts a premium on scrappiness and grittiness in entrepreneurs. And when you hear her story, it makes a lot of sense. Someone said to me uh, recently, why are you a venture capitalist? And I said, because my life has had so many twists and turns um, that I, you know, I didn't realize when I was growing up that I was just on a constant pivot. <laughs> so, was, uh, so I wish I'd had that word in my vernacular uh, at that point. The daughter of a lawyer and a high school teacher, Jillian went to boarding school in London and later attended both New York University and Oxford. Immediately out of college, she jumped right into work as a TV agent. I've been at the top of my game um, as a studio executive um, at Warner Brothers and Universal Studio. I've been an agent in ICM. I've uh, been associate publisher of two national magazines. I've built three companies. So you can pop them into one column and say, okay, that's Jillian's life. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's a lot of what people see. But what they don't see is that I've also lived um, in the Bowery. I was homeless and I lived in shelters. 
In her early 20s, Jillian's career took her all over the world, from the UK to Switzerland, where she fell in love with a Swiss baron and got engaged. And then abruptly, it all shattered. Her fiancé became violent towards her, and Jillian found herself with a choice, suffer the abuse or leave and start over. She chose the latter and landed in a shelter in New York City. I know what it's like not to have a fishing pole, and I know it's like not to have money in a house. I had a blanket, and I slept on the floor in 16 shelters. So I know it's like to be broken open and have to rebuild yourself. Um, and I know what emotional roller coaster ride life is. It was hitting this low point that allowed Jillian a chance to find herself. So when I lived in shelters, I saw a lot of lost people and broken people. And I wanted to put every single one of them back together, but I had to put myself back together first. And actually, the way I did that is I was an entrepreneur. At the shelter, Jillian discovered her true passion, helping others. She started volunteering in the kitchen where she noticed things weren't being run as well as they could be. So she took it upon herself to solve these problems by rallying the other residents, figuring out what each person was good at and empowering them to use those skills. So you're saying you built yourself up by helping other people in those shelters. That's how you rebuilt Jillian Manis. I found myself. That's mm. exactly right. I put myself back together by putting them back together. And I found my voice by giving them voice and giving them purpose yeah. and giving them their pride back. Yeah. Why do you think building other people up builds you up? I think more people need to understand that. Uh, when you give to others, you truly give. The biggest gift is to yourself. And you're just... You're saying that's just a principle of life. That is a principle of life. I think I think predominantly that's human nature. I think we're also mired in noise of others that detract us from the very essential and intuitive um, mm. ta intuitive nature, which is to help others. And if you help others, they always say, as cliche as that sounds, you help yourself. Yeah. So like, do you think that like helping people is a big part of your motivation for when you decide who to invest in? Yes. When I look at founders and I look at just people in general, mentees, I think to myself, Here, here's who they are. Now let me see if I can help them realize they're the best of them. But I can't, you can't change people. You can try to uh, you can try to nurture that part that already exists and 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 percolate and bubble it to the surface. What do you think it is about your experience that like that makes you a good fit as a VC? It's I'm very mindful that me as a venture capitalist, the fact that I've done a lot of things in many different areas. It's important because I can pull on all of that. I think you have to have a diverse background to be a venture capitalist. That's my opinion. That was the legend that is Jillian Manis and just a bit of her amazing story. We'll share the rest of this story on an upcoming episode. Up next, another familiar voice on the show, that of Phil Nado. But we'll hear something that isn't quite as familiar. The whispered about, but rarely seen, soft side of Phil. 
This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, and one thread that connects them all, they're not just pitching their business, they're pitching themselves. Because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company, it's their whole life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies to fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. Your business is your life, and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Phil Nadell with Forefront Venture Partners is known on our team as one of the most careful, cautious investors on the show. So when he and I sat down together, I wanted to know first what drew him to investing, you know, a job that's loaded with risks. Uh, just in terms of, you know, background and sort of what what set the stage for my my career is that my, my dad um, was a serial entrepreneur his whole life. Really? And uh, a successful uh, entrepreneur, very, very uh, bright and and my mentor uh, my whole life. And so I got to see him starting companies in, in different businesses. And then, you know, also encouraging me as a, a young budding entrepreneur to pursue businesses, you know, which I had lots of little businesses as <laughs> teenagers do and young people do. Uh, when I was growing up, and he well, was I don't think very, everybody very, does. Well, uh, you know, a lot of people do, and he was always very encouraging and helpful uh, with that kind of thing. And um, so, you know, I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Was that something that happened instinctively, or do you think was there a moment where you realized, like, that you wanted specifically to follow in your dad's footsteps? Well, uh, my dad was my hero, and you always want to emulate your heroes. Emulate his hero, he did. Right from the start, Phil proved a savvy entrepreneur, building and ultimately selling a whole slew of companies in a number of different industries, from media to finance. It seemed he had a knack for knowing just the right time to seize an opportunity. It never mattered, and it doesn't matter still, what business I'm in. I'm not like uh, you know, a publishing guy who says I want to start a publishing business because I love the publishing space. I don't know anything about any industry. I know nothing. All I know is to look for opportunities in different industries. This is interesting to me because I think of the way you evaluate opportunities in VC sounds like it's because you learned as an entrepreneur what was an opportunity and what wasn't. But it's almost like you've been through the fire of doing these things yourself when there's, that's actually more on the, when you dive into something and say, I'm going to spend the next five, six, 10 years on something and like assume that this is an opportunity. I'm willing to spend my sweat equity, my money, my precious time that I have on this earth building this thing. That is way more risk than putting your money into something. 
like I, f- I feel like that's like that's harder. That's that's got to be harder. Yes, to like pick the it thing. is, and that's why I have so much respect for founders, and it's also why I always counsel young people who ask me about going into VC uh, to start a business or two before they do. You, I, I just think that venture capitalists are so much better at their job if they've been entrepreneurs themselves. Yeah. Uh, and so oftentimes people will ask me, you know, college students will say, you know, I'm interested in getting into venture capital. What do you, th- you know, who should I go work for? Or what should I do? And I say, find an opportunity, start a business and do that for a while. After years as an entrepreneur, these days, Phil finds himself on the other side of the table, investing in startups. How can you tell, like, what are you looking for in a founder and how, how can you tell if someone is a great entrepreneur? That's uh, the million dollar question, um, <laughs> really. Uh, well, I, I mean, look, I look for a combination of things. I look for passion, certainly. I look for domain experience. Um, I look for someone who is um, focused and, and focused on their mission, uh, there are no other sort of hard and fast rules, I would say. I guess what I'm and, getting at, Phil, is not not hard and fast rules that you have written down. But what are the rules like? What what are your what is your gut telling you? Like what like what have you learned about your gut? Well, yeah. One, the one thing that's that sticks out when you ask that question is, I want to see that they have already proven that they have an efficient method of acquiring customers and it doesn't have they don't have to be very far along in that but some early evidence that they can acquire customers in a capital efficient way and that's in a scalable way so that if we add money to the company it's like adding fuel to the fire they can do you know what i'm hearing fuel on they can i'm sorry do you know what i'm hearing right now I'm hearing you being exactly who we describe you on the show. And I've, I've been curious what you think about that. But you, you hear the episodes and how we talk about how pragmatic you are, how numbers-driven you are. It's all about the data for you. Um, and I keep you know trying to like understand your gut. And then you drive it right back to the numbers in such a way that is, is definitely the way we see it play out on our show. Um, so do you agree with how we describe you on the show? Yes. Not only agree, I'm 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 proud of it. Uh, I mean, I like being you know data driven and you're focusing on uh, those early metrics and trying to understand the scalability and the efficiency of them. But so yes, I, I wear that that label proudly. Phil, if your dad were to look at you now and see what you've done, do you do you think he'd be proud? I think I think he. I hope so. You know, I hope he he would be proud of me. Uh, he's um, he passed away eleven years ago, and and so yeah, I, I like to think that um, uh, that he uh, that he would be proud of me now. Uh, and what what makes me very happy is that uh, I see my older son sort of following along in the same footsteps and. Uh, uh, he's a, a budding entrepreneur with already one successful exit, 
and um, uh, pursuing a new business. So he uh, is following along, uh, and I think that um, that my dad's legacy is intact. That was investor Phil Nadell with Forefront Venture Partners. We'll have the rest of that conversation with him in an upcoming episode, but here's a teaser. He tells us how he first dipped a toe into the world of entrepreneurship by becoming his junior high's candy kingpin. So stay tuned for that. So we just heard from Jillian and Phil who've been on previous episodes of the show, but here's someone you haven't heard before, Daniel Galati. He's a partner at Comcast Ventures and a brand new addition to our show. In this excerpt from his interview, he describes how after leaving a job at the accounting firm KPMG, he first heard the siren song of entrepreneurship. I remember I was traveling with my girlfriend at the time and we stayed in this villa in in Florence. Uh, I I would have been like 22 years old or something at the time. Uh And... The villa had, uh, you know, you get these like free toiletries at the hotels that you stay at. And one of the one of the toiletries was this like soap. It was this like olive oil soap. Mm-hmm. And um, my girlfriend used it and I used it. And I was like, hey, actually, this is like really good soap. And it was turned out to be a olive oil um, producing farm next door that sort of produced this soap. I mean, their main business was olive, oh. you know, literally producing olive oil. Yeah. and They'd sort of produce these soaps like on the side for this villa that was kind of almost attached to the to the farm. Okay, so it was very small, you know, super small, yeah. like artisan sort of sort of a guy. And so what happened was we we sort of showed up, and one thing led to another, and we kind of said more people should use this soap, yeah. like because it's like, just this, great. You're really soap. good at this. Yeah, you're really good at this soap thing. How did, how yeah. did you convince? your co-founders to go into business with you. I mean, you're just this guy that's staying in a villa in Florence from Australia and you're staying in the hotel and you like the soap. Like, how did that conversation go? I, I basically said to them, like, look, I'll, I, I don't have any, like, industry experience, but, you know, I've got a lot of time and, you know, I <laughs> think that I can go around to these retailers and, and, um, and like sell them on this and like it was kind of just hustle and not really doing anything else at the time and that was my first kind of foray into business and so yeah. um how, so, how big yeah. how, how much were you doing in sales annually at the point so we were doing by the end of it eight million or so i mean it was a decent sized business it wasn't you know it wasn't a huge business but i think by the end of it we had about 200 products across um six different ranges olive oil was the first but we did a bunch of other ranges and we were in you know would have been eight eight or nine countries you know we're in hundreds of retailers and i owned half of it um which was great the soap company was just the start for daniel eventually he left his native australia to attend business school in the states where he co-founded another company this time in fashion like many venture capitalists, he wound a crooked path to VC. Was there ever a point where you looked in the mirror and you're like, wow, how did I get here? Um, yeah, like every day. <laughs> like, <laughs> really? I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't, you know, have you heard that saying where it's really hard to connect the dots 
forward, but it's it's easier to connect the dots looking back. Right. And I really do feel like it's one of those where at the time things feel pretty opportunistic and um, I don't know, I've always been a big believer in if something comes across your desk that is interesting, then, you know, it, it, like you should, you know, flexibility and adaptability and being opportunistic, like that matters, right? And so I don't, I guess I don't try to, I still don't try to, I don't know, have my life be some set of train tracks that, you know, first I do X to get to me, to get to Y, to get to Z. I just, I just feel like life's more interesting that way. And, and, and probably, you know, from a success point of view, like it's probably a better formula for eventual success than trying to, um, trying to control, you know, and trying to, trying to live on this set of train tracks. I mean, it's, it almost sounds like you're talking about it as if these are other people doing these things, but like living through it, it's, it's not that easy to just calculate that risk and jump into it. And I understand romantically, you can say, oh, life is better lived that way. But in the grind, yeah. in the moment, um, doesn't it feel different? Um, look, it's, it's it can be really scary. And I think like the scariest thing is almost um, one which is uh, almost embarrassing to to talk about, but it's like, you know, everyone else around me is like moving up, right? So like I'm here doing this random soap company hmm. and, you know, the guy that I went or the girl that I went to university with is now, a, you know, principal at, you know, KPMG, you know? And yeah. if I just stayed at KPMG, I'd be a principal now. And like, you know. And you're out on the road selling soap. And you, yeah, and you're out on the road selling soap, getting, you know, your chops busted by <laughs> someone that doesn't want to buy 200 bucks of, you know, your soap or whatever. So... Yeah, it's really it's really tough because with entrepreneurship, you know, you don't have those markers. You don't have a boss telling you, "Hey, Johnny, you did a great job and like you will be promoted." And you don't have that external validation, right? And you know, I'm someone that, you know, actually values that external validation validation just with a company, you just you, it's the opposite, which is you just get beaten down, you know, day after day. And so from an, if you're asking about, you know, what is the emotional toll, it's that, right? It's like kind of seeing everyone else, you know, succeed very linearly and, you know, quote unquote, having, you know, just, you know, figured it out. And, you know, you're just sitting there having not figured it out. And, um, you know, and you, you, there are days where you feel like you're absolutely going backwards, let alone not moving forwards. That was Daniel Gulati, partner at Comcast Ventures and our newest investor on the show. As for our fourth investor, we're trying something a little new. On upcoming pitches, we're going to feature a rotating fourth seat. Sometimes that seat will be filled by an angel investor, other times a partner at a big fund. Come back next week to hear the whole team in action as we dive into our first pitch. And boy, is it a doozy. Stick around till after the credits to hear preview. Our show is produced by me, Josh Muccio. Our two new producers, Molly Donahue and Kareem Maddox. We are edited by Devin Taylor. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder with original music composed by The Musemaker. We were mixed by Enoch Kim with help from Matthew Boll. All right, you've been listening to The Pitch from Gimlet Media. See you next week.
next week. I stepped down as CEO and I'm starting this company. Um, Why'd you step down as CEO? Many reasons. Are you difficult to work with? <laughs> no, I'm not. New episodes of The Pitch come out on Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get podcasts. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.